for I Am A Fan, Comic Book Talk, Episode 10. This is Marco Lopez, and to the left of me, as always, is Randall Armstrong. Hello. And we're going to be talking to you about comic book news, comic book stuff, and the awesomeness that is comic books, and do a few reviews for you. So we hope you enjoy listening to these, because we enjoy listening. We enjoy doing them. Look at that. I messed up. This is this is how we live podcast. I wish we had an audience in front of us, like live TV. Look, all, you, all they need to know is that we're bringing all of this to you Wrong. for free. <laughs> and unfiltered. Yeah. We curse on this, bitch. No, I'm just kidding. Anyways, we do curse. Bleep, bleep. <laughs> Marco, <laughs> you mother bleep. bleep. <laughs> but anyways, you guys know, know knows how it is, so we're going to start up uh, a little recap in the one hour episode, which please go listen if you don't. However, if you don't like to listen to it, we understand. No, no, no one's forcing you to. Um, Bleep you. <laughs> it'll just make us happier. <laughs> but uh, in the one hour one, we talked about how uh, Paper Cuts Publishing, which is a uh, publishing company that releases graphic novels for um, kids and young adults. They're going to be doing a Barbie one, Barbie Starlight, I believe it's called, based on the animated CGI film that's coming out, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, not for us, as we're not Barbie fans. If you are a Barbie fan, bravo. Hey, maybe they'll bring back that song. Let's go party. Let's go Barbie. <laughs> let's go party. Yeah. Come on, Barbie, let's go party. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, a Barbie girl from Aqua. Yeah, there uh, you go. Um, look how I remember that. <laughs> but uh, but basically, uh, it's good for, uh, because licensed comics are a lot of ways of how people got in the industry. So it's pretty sweet that they're uh, putting that out, because hopefully it'll bring a new... Uh, male and female readers into this industry. Um, we already have a lot, but we'd always love more. We'd always love this industry to get bigger. Um, you know, someone's comic, uh, first comic is always their stepping stone into a great addiction. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, people generally get like a little nostalgic because they're like, oh man, I remember this. Mm-hmm. You know, and then like, you know, I, I remember one time I had a conversation with a friend of mine from work, uh, not my current job, but an older job. And um, I, I would ask him, like, you know, hey, man, you know, have you read any comics recently? And he's like, no. He's like, I'm thinking about getting into it. I'm like, okay. And I'm like, so you used to read comic books? He's like, yeah. He's like, okay. How long ago? Like, oh, well, I mean, like when I was like eight or ten years old. He's like, okay. And how old are you now? He was like in his, you know, late 20s or whatever. So I'm like, let me ask you something. Do you think you're the same person now? Like how you were back when you were eight or ten years old? Are you that same person? He's like, no. He's like, okay, well then technically, technically, you haven't even experienced a comic book. Because you're no longer the 8 or 10 year old version you are now. You're a completely different person. Yeah, yeah. You know, so in essence, you haven't really experienced a comic book yet. You know, and so he's like, wow, I never thought of it that way. Like, you know, like, yeah, I guess you're kind of right. You know, so like when you pick up that comic book, you know, and you, you know, like you can, you can think back to like what comic books were like when you were a kid, but... It's completely different. Even, like, the older comics, the way they're written, they're even different. You know, comics are different now than they were. Oh, yeah. Comics from the 30s are different from the 50s, are different from the 70s. Exactly. Are different from the 90s to today. Exactly, you know? So, but, yeah, I mean, I like how you mentioned, like, you know, people remember that first comic that they get, you know? So, yeah, when kids today now will look at comics, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, they will be completely different people and... They will have to once again re-experience comics and maybe have even a greater appreciation for it. Mm-hmm. So you know, always love it when new people come in. Um, we also talked about a little bit um, rebirth news again. Um, Re- Bleeding Cold talked about how um, it may not be exactly what they stated it was. Right. Um, it may be just be more that there's more of certain titles, but then they're not adherent to the uh, TV and film stories. 
Right. Um, and then we also found out that it looks like uh, Ethan Van Skyver is involved with the Rebirth uh, news as well. And yep. Jeff Johns. And uh, First off, Ethan Van Skyver and Jeff Johns together... Never, never a bad story in my opinion. Yeah, they've done they've done good work together, so it's yeah. exciting to uh, uh, see that they're going to be involved in this. Yeah. Um, uh, we we also did a review of Old Man Logan issue one, mm-hmm. um, which we thought was a good book. Um, we differed opinion on art, but overall we thought it was a pretty good book and a good first issue. Yeah. Um, of course, it's always it's done by the fantastic Jeff Lemire, who's also writing X Men and. I think he's writing. Uh, he's also Hawkeye. I think he's doing like three or four books for Marvel. Mm. Like he's trying to. He's trying to tag uh, tie uh, Charles Souls, the writer who can write the most comic books. Right. Uh, right. From the big two, um, fantastic writer. I think they're trying to bring Gile- Jeff Lemire into Valiant because um, I know he's friends with Matt Kent. And I've met he's him. already been writing for Valiant. Has he? Yeah. Which one is it? Hmm? Which one is it? Which one is what? The book that he's writing. I forget, but I know he's been writing for Valiant. Has it been a while or just recent? Uh, maybe the past year or two. Oh, damn. How, maybe he wasn't. I just, I'm forgetting. Yeah, he probably I think it might be. Because I know Matt Kent does a lot of work for them as well. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and he's a solid writer as well. Oh, yeah. He's fantastic. Uh, they're the new generation, these guys. Jeff Lemire, Matt Kent, you know, uh, Charles and we, Soule, and we will be the generation And Kellen Bunn. Yes. We will be the generation Yes. <laughs> but, uh, all right. So, we're going to get into some uh, news here. Uh, first thing we're going to do is, um... We're not going to do the big news that everyone's talking about the week. That's going to be what we're going to talk about last in the news. First thing we're going to talk about is this sweetness of Walmart and Diamond are talking about a trade section in all the Walmart stores. It's too bad I don't shop at Walmart. <laughs> that god-awful hey, company. But you know what? It's not about you, Randall. It's about the comic industry and what this does for creators. They, they are the retail Nazis, man. <laughs> the retail Nazis. Randall has had some bad experience for Walmart. He used to work for them. We won't get into it. But he does not trust them. He thinks they are Satan incarnate itself. No, no, no. It's not about trust. I mean, I, I understand how they operate. I don't appreciate it. Basically, he's like, I've seen into the soul of the devil. What kind of And company, I know what looks back at you. What kind of company <laughs> hires people to treat people like shit? Seriously. You know, it's like, no. Basically, he never, doesn't never, like them. Never again. Well, I, most of my experiences... Pretty much 100% of my experience was with Sam's Club, which is owned by Walmart. So basically, he doesn't really know what it is to work for Walmart. It could be like fairy tale land there. No. I've heard just as bad experiences over there. But uh, anyways. Um, they're, not, re- they're not very good at hiring good all, managers. All retail work sucks. But anyways. Not all of it. Um, he. Uh, he. See, we're still on Randall. It's like, let's move on from that. Okay. Anyways, Diamond uh, has been stocking Walmart's manga section. Um, and it's been doing very good for Walmart. Sure, they like so, money. So now Walmart is like, yo, it's got some of the sweet American comic books. Right. So they want to stack a graphic novel section. Not single issues. They're not doing that. Graphic novels. Yeah. Um, and graphic novels. I just got big. a brilliant idea. I'm going to go to every Walmart store and just bend the covers of like, why would you? Novels. Why would you do that? Anyways... Um, so this is amazing because this, this is not going to be a so tiny Marvel section. Loses money. This is going to be a section. If you've ever been into a big Walmart, um, Walmart. They, they, usually, Marvel? they usually have a section that's you know tapered off where you have like magazines and books, um, and other stuff. I wouldn't know. I don't go there. So base, stop bringing it up. I'm just saying. So basically, uh, what they're probably going to do is in this section add you know a beautiful like you know where they can put all these different trades. Um, so that they can now offer you trades, and it's great because Walmart has like over two thousand stores in it, or 
or I don't remember how they got a lot of stores. It's in the thousands, um, and that's just great because that means that's not that's publishers making more money, that's you know creators making more money. That's just good news all around. A lot. Some people have been doing some doom and gloom about like, oh, it'll mean the end of comic book stores. It's like, have you ever been inside of Walmart? It's not going to be in the end of comic book stores. Plus, they're only carrying... Trades. Trades. They're not you know, carrying, you know... You know and now, I, I will say this, though. I will say this, that uh, if Walmart is already... If Walmart is already getting stuff from Diamond, here's my concern. The um, the action figures. The DC no, direct they're figures. not going to get that. Because it's a basically... A, one, Walmart's discount that they get for toys from whoever is way bigger than uh, uh, any Diamond discount for toys. Walmart probably pays, like... Literally seventy percent off, already percent off the toys. True, but you know, here's the here's the thing though. Well, I mean, this technically could be good for DC DC Direct. Um, DC Direct usually has a certain amount of figures only specifically made so they can cover all the retail well, comic book stores. Here, but if Walmart puts in a big enough of an order, but here's the thing: this isn't dealing with that. Um, well, Diamond only has the ability on behalf. Of the stores too, because diamonds basically the way it works is when you have graphic novels which are considered books, you have you either go with a traditional book distributor or you go with diamond to distribute your graphic novels. Marvel and DC they don't use diamond, so uh, technically Marvel has recently made a deal with Walmart, so technically this graphic novel deal isn't going to include any DC uh, graphic novels because uh, Walmart uh, diamond is not DC's distributor for graphic novels into bookstores. Or places like Walmart. Okay. Uh, they have a different distributor for that. Uh, they use two different distributors for that. So what you're saying is these graphic novel sections... Are going to be for everything that's not Image, Dark Horse, Dynamite, Oni Press, everything. Marvel has a deal with Walmart that they just uh, are, are working on. So unless DC comes in and makes a deal with Walmart... Right. Then there are going to be no DC graphic novels in the Walmart stores. Okay. Oh, um, you know what would be great? Forget Walmart. Go to Target. Get your mm-hmm. DC graphic novels at Target. But here's the thing that people are that the people are then complaining. One, bookstores for the longest time have been carrying graphic novels. Yeah. Barnes and Noble still does it. Books a Million still does it. Uh, Mom and Pop Shops do it. Um, Hastings, a variety of places that aren't your traditional and comic book stores. Off, and first off, if comic book stores are smart, now granted, not all comic book stores do this, but quite a few here in Florida do it. They give discounts. They give sales. You know, I mean, I would imagine a lot of the comic book stores, if you give a specific deal or sales, you're going to drive customers to your store versus... Yeah, and I've already looked at numbers on Comic-Con. Um, comic book stores make the bulk of their money on uh, single issues. Yeah, in all honesty, I mean, like, the the more people that pick up books, the more interest grows. And the more they'll go to comic stores. Right, so comic book stores essentially could get more business. It's like... It's like, I just feel that everyone's like, oh, they're going to put comic stores out of This business. is probably the same fear that they had when digital started to come out. Yeah, and then didn't take and over the And comic stores are still profiting and yes. doing well. It's like, it's just fear for fear's sake. It's like, I'm sorry, at the end of, I love comic stores, but at the end of the day, I want this industry to grow, and I love this industry yeah. more than I love comic, comic book stores. I say all comic book stores unite. Mm. Destroy Walmart. <laughs> there you go. I, I love this industry more, like I said, I love this industry more than I love comic book stores. And uh, you can't stop in the way of progress, you know? Yeah. It's like... Things are going to change. You just have to adapt to the change. Yeah. So, like, you can't... Be you, smart with your money. Honestly, you can't be upset with this. It's, it's good for everyone involved. You can't, you know, expect comic book uh, creators to just be living hand to pocket. Because right. you don't want them to have an avenue for more, you know, sales. Right. You know? It's like, as, as it is, half of the comic book store, stores anyway don't order uh, anything that's not Marvel DC. You know? 
Right. So it's like, you know, let's be a little bit re- realistic here, guys. Yeah. But Well, I mean, is it also possible that maybe Walmart is doing this to steal sales away from bookstores like Barnes & Noble? And, uh, possibly, I mean. I mean, is this, their attempt to, seen, is this their attempt to put those bookstores out never of seen, I've never seen uh, Barnes & Noble next to Walmart. The closest I've seen is Brand. We live in Florida, Tampa area. In Brandon, Florida, mm-hmm. there is the uh, Barnes & Nobles in the mall where the mall it's not inside the mall but it's next yeah. to the mall yeah. and then behind that mall is a Walmart that's the closest but there's usually books well, there, farther there's, down yeah well there's a Barnes & Noble in my area where it's on Del Mabry yeah I've seen that one yeah and it's not that far of a drive from Walmart yeah there's other, so that's the second one but it's, it's like it's honestly it's still one that hurt the bookstore because a lot of people don't think books you know books and graphic novels from Walmart are sort of like you're shopping for other stuff, and you're like, "Oh, well, you I guys mean, got graphic novels." Well, essentially, essentially, Walmart's business plan is they don't want you to shop anywhere else but their place. Yeah, but most of the people go for Walmart for like groceries, right? Or you know, if you got to get close, right? But you also have to think from a shopper's perspective: is I'm here at Walmart, I don't need to be driving everywhere. It's true. Or I don't need to, you know, why make two trips? But Mar- when Mar- I can buy everything, I but Bar- Bar- Walmart. Companies like Walmart, they stack the latest. So they're not going to have... Right. Uh, unless it's in stock, they're probably not going to have... Um, Back stock. X- X-Men, uh, right. uh, Days of Future Past, the graphic novel. Right. What you they'll know? end up doing, though, is to make room for more books, more than likely, they're going to discount books since people will be going there. Oh, that's fine. I'll go in there and get some stuff on discount. I bet you will. <laughs> yeah, that's right, I will. You know who won't. You. That's right. Anyways... Moving on to that, to probably what's the best news of the week, even though there's some people going, wah, 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 not to insult anybody, but come on. Um, let's not get frustrated until we've read it. Um, and yes, you can't make your opinion based on images, but DC announced, and what's very cool news, especially... Wait, 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 is this like the best of the best news that you're releasing now? Yes. Have we covered everything else? Yes. Okay. So, uh, DC is releasing um, this year... Four books in their new line of Hanna Barbera revamp. The return of Hanna Barbera. I love it. I'm sure, there might be some people out there going like, Hanna Barbera, who? Exactly. You know, and for Kids, you, that's children. And basically, the awesomeness of this is, and I'm going to pull up the original cartoon, the DC from their website. Um, basically, this is so cool, and I feel DC did this to combat Marvel with Star Wars. I know a lot of people are going to be like, Hanna Barbera can't combat Star Wars, but I'll be honest with you. One, I love Star Wars. But Star Wars, not everybody loves Star Wars. Some right. people don't want to read Star Wars comics. They don't care. Right. Two, those high numbers that the Star Wars comics have gotten, they're not going to keep getting those. Eventually, those numbers settle at a certain point. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, I was doing some thinking, actually, about how Marvel is doing so well with Star Wars. But after a while, it's going to get stale. And Marvel, since they love to cancel books and restart at number one, um, I've always thought, essentially, like, you know what they... If you're going to do an ongoing Star Wars series, you know what ongoing they should do? What? It should be on the new characters from Episode 7. Oh, yeah, they probably... Because you, you have, you know, you're going to have Episode 8, you're going to have Episode 9, and you want to create all these stories. Oh, that's definitely... They're already doing the... They have the Poe Dameron kind right, of coming out. but that's a miniseries. Yeah. You know, what I'm saying is, like, the current ongoing Star Wars book... Eventually, I think needs to get canceled. Oh, it's eventually going to end. I don't think yeah, it's going to yeah. forever. But not just canceled, but like also like because I mean, don't get me wrong. I, Luke, Leia, Han, those are you know, those are characters that everyone's going to love forever and ever. 
but essentially, you know, you, this new generation of, you know, characters, new Star Wars movies, you know, new fans, you, uh, you want to establish those characters, so I think they should make an ongoing based on the new characters. I'm sure that's in the plans. I'm sure they're going to work on it. Right, but like all the other characters, just miniseries. But um, anyway, going back to the Hanna Barbera news. Yeah. So I feel this is DC's way to counteract that since they're owned by WB, um, and basically um, it'll give them some uh, people that normally don't read comic books, people that maybe don't read DC anymore, or people that you know have read. Com- uh, I already said people that don't read comic books, but um, and maybe people who you know they do read well, comic books, but they're yeah. not you know. Well, I, I'm pretty sure. I think at this point, both DC and Marvel they're realizing, you know, more people want comic books, but just not on superheroes. Yeah, they want you know, and they want a variety, you know. So, and so and that's what Hanna Barbera kind of gives us this not to mention it's very very nostalgic, you know, and also it probably pushes like some of the parents yep. to tell their kids like, "Oh my god, you know." Like I mean, it, it's really sad that a lot of the older cartoons like I don't see them on television, man. Well, you have to go to Boomerang. They're on the Boomerang channel. Okay, I suppose so, yeah. But I'm just saying like some of these other cartoons should be syndicated in other networks. Oh, yeah. God, if we had syndication still, but uh, the old days of syndication in the 90s and the 80s, mm-hmm. it would have been a lot different uh, back then. Um, but syndication has changed up since then. But also, hopefully, by putting this out, this might be like this might be like Warner Brothers' way of saying, like, hey, we're doing the comic books right now, but guess what? We're actually going to be making new versions of these They still do Scooby-Doo. They do, there's a new, there's been like... Oh, Scooby-Doo will be around forever. Yeah. I'll, Forever and ever. It'll be around... Yeah. When I'm 100 and I die, Scooby-Doo will be doing a new cartoon. Yeah. And I'll be like, Scooby! And then yeah. die. <laughs> I'll be watching, like, the 20th version of Scooby-Doo on television at the age of 85. And I'll be like, I'll tell my grandkids, like, I remember the old 70s Scooby-Doo. And they're like, Grandpa, you weren't born back then. Shut up. I watched repeats. They had these things called reruns. Like, what's a repeat? <laughs> but anyways, uh, Jim Lee is spearheading this. Um, so basically, Scooby-Doo Apocalypse is going to be basically where this nanite virus... Well, it's Scooby-Apocalypse. Yeah, Scooby-Apocalypse, where this nanite virus gets out of control... And it basically starts mutating everybody into horrible creatures. So the gang has to come together and combat this. And they're in this, like, post-apocalyptic bad land. Yeah. And basically, you know, you got Fred, uh, Shaggy, Velma, um, Daphne, and Scooby. Only thing I don't like about it is how Shaggy looks. Yeah, he's uh, stated he doesn't really appreciate Shaggy's uh, hipster look. And I'm like... It makes sense. The, the tattoo sleeve I'm cool with, but the, the beard slash mustache, it just... It's, uh, that's the evolution of the hippie, man. The hippies became the hipsters. I know, but I just, it's just not right. But it looks great. It's got a very funky... I, I, what, uh, what I, I don't see the problem with because it's got a very Saturday morning cartoon feel still. Um, it's like shaggy. Especially, you know, Velma holding the video game controller. Yeah. And uh, they're decked out, like, you know, Fred has, like, this thing that seems to be, like, detecting... Uh, these uh, monsters are going after. Oh my God, I just noticed he's got a tattoo. Uh, yeah, tribal that? tattoo. Tribal tattoo. <laughs> Daphne's, Daphne's got this weird gun thing. Scooby has this whole eye thing, which we figure might is what gives him the ability to talk. Velma's controller is controlling a, a camera uh, helicopter. Um, you know, it's it's pretty cool. Uh, I'm excited to see what they're doing with it. I mean, Jim Lee and Keith Giffen are going to be doing the story, and Howard Porter is going to be 
solid, solid uh, team of and uh, creators. Right and here. it's hilarious that Daphne kind of looks like Caitlin Fairchild in this. Like a lot of people have made jokes like, Caitlin, is that you? Really? Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's going to be awesome. The next book is Future Quest, which is basically Johnny Quest and all the other Hanna-Barbera characters and a Brave and the Bold type yeah. team up. Actually, um, now that I think about it, because they, what they really, what, what, you know what would be really cool is to see an adult version of Johnny Quest. Well, they did a teenager one, which was the... Right, right. They did the teenager one. But that's the whole what I'm saying. Like, thing. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, it would be cool to see, like, now he's doing the adventures, but now he's the... Or what it, what it'd be cool if like maybe Johnny Quest settled down and he had kids and he's the dad at this point. Oh yeah, look, I'm sure at some point that's gonna happen. Yeah. Um, but this future quest, dude, the characters that are involved in this are Johnny Quest and his family, Space Ghost, Herculoids, Frankenstein Jr., The Impossibles, Birdman, Galaxy Trio, Mitor. Now this one doesn't have as bold redesigns as the Jim Lee Scooby Apocalypse. Yeah. This one has slight redesigns. Um, Frankenstein Jr. is more like a uh, um, Iron Giant. You know, giant robot. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's been, you know, a few little changes on some of the designs for the characters, but nothing uh, as drastic as Scooby. I, I love the cover art. Darwin Cook did it. Oh, yeah. And uh, it has this, like, classic feel to it, obviously, but with a different, you know... They gave two art... They gave three art pieces. The second one is... Because the people on this book... Um, Darwin Cook's sort of basically... I guess he's in charge of the redesigns because he's not drawing the book. It's going to be drawn by Evan Doc Shaner, who is Dark, Justice League Dark Side War Green Lantern. He drew that, for those that don't know. Oh, you know what? I like that. He also drew, uh, for Dynamite, uh, Flash Gordon. And Jeff Parker, who wrote Aquaman and Just League United and Batman 66, is writing it. I think Jeff Parker's a pretty solid writer. Oh, yeah. He's really good. And basically, these other two pieces they give, is, well, four, three pieces. But one of them is the Quest crew basically running. I don't know if they're running from the Herculoids, but the Herculoids are behind them. And then above the Herculoids... Is Space Ghost and his family and their his his comrade com- his spaceship yeah yeah and his spaceship his friends and then the other image is Space Ghost coming out of his ship that's crashed and Johnny Quest is pointing a gun at him and Haji's got a machine gun which they never did that in the cartoons they're holding guns because yeah. you got to remember this comic book is probably going to take place in the sixties and seventies this comic book is not going to take place in you know the post apocalyptic world of Scooby. This is most likely going to take place in the 60s and 70s, and that's why Johnny has a gun, and Haji has a machine gun. It'd be cool, though, if it was taking place now. I don't think it is, just because of the whole gun thing. Right. That's, uh, so, and they have a gun pointed at Space Ghost, which reminds me of, uh, the, uh, God, what was it? It was the Superman, uh, I forgot what animated film that was based on a comic book where, uh, they're like, uh, oh, no, it wasn't Superman, it was, um, Planetary. If you guys have ever read Planetary, there's an issue where the Superman archetype of the Wild Storm universe, but there was many in there, but the Superman archetype comes out and a, a ship crash, it has a baby in it, and they're like, look, hon, it's a baby alien, and the wife takes a shotgun out and kills the... Oh, really? The kid. Oh, my God. And that's what this reminds me of, that he's, like, pointing, and he's like, they like, space ghost, hold yourself. Um, and the other image is very cool. I'm not going to waste my... Uh, I'm not going to, you know, describe Just go check it out. DC's website, uh, their blog... Because uh, I want to move on to Wacky Raceland. If you ever read, uh, watched Wacky, Wacky Racers, the cartoon. Yeah. Which are all the, like, Muttley and uh, all the Captain Caveman. They're all racing. It, it, it's funny that you mentioned Muttley. There's a guy at my job who is actually kind of like, well, one, he's short. And, uh, and Muttley is short. And uh, you know how Muttley has a specific laugh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the guy... I yeah, remember, I remember you told me that. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's hilarious. 
And uh, what's funny too is like there's other people that have told him that before. But, but uh, Wacky Raceland looks great because the way they describe it is take the Anne Hill mob, Penelope pissed up, uh, Dick Dastardly, mix in a healthy dose of Mad Max, and you get this dark and gritty take on Hanna Barbera's Wacky Races. Yeah. I know when a lot of people hear dark and gritty, they're like, oh, dark and gritty. Why can't it just be wacky and fun? And it's like, well, they're they're trying to do with these books is they're trying to tackle the young adult and up audience. They're not trying to tackle the. Other. I mean, you're also trying to revamp it. You know, I mean, if you make it, you know, wacky and funny like before, you're just you're you you're not doing anything different. It's like I don't. And I think I think when you add a, a new element to it, when you <coughs> alter it, when you bring a little difference to it, it becomes exciting because like, oh, cool, we're seeing a different take on it. Yeah, and you got to remember this doesn't erase the other cartoons and stuff yeah. that's happened. You know, what'd be really cool is if Speed Racer appeared in that right. comic. But. uh Basically, I don't think this... Again, a lot of people hear Dark and Gritty and they think R-rated. This is going to be PG-13 or pushing PG. Yeah, you know? I, I love how you pointed out, like, you see guns. Yeah, rail guns. Yeah. People holding guns on the vehicles. Uh, but the vehicles still look like the classic vehicles you remember, just a little more realistic and yeah. revved up. A little bit more touched up, yeah. Uh, Ken Pontek, who was a writer on Reboot, that awesome cartoon, that if you don't know what that is, go look it up. You'll love it. And Leonardo, Le, uh, Leonardo Manco who uh, drew Hellblazer for a while. Uh, he's drawing uh, the comic book. And Mark Sexton, who uh, was a designer on Mad Max Fury Road, he's designing all the vehicles. Oh, that's awesome. Right? Um, <clears throat> the last one, and the one that's probably going to shock people the most, is Flintstones. Um, Amanda, Amanda Connor, Connor is doing, doing all the designs. Yeah. It looks like Dino doesn't talk. He's a regular pet, which I'm fine with. Um, they got the saber tooth Tiger, which you only ever see in the intro. Um, you never really saw much on the show later on. Right, right. Um, and it's the whole gang, and basically Mark Russell, who wrote Prez, which was a fantastic comic book, it only ended up being a six-issue miniseries. Mm-hmm. He's writing it. Uh, they don't say who the artist is, um, so they probably haven't found one yet. I'm really crossing my fingers and hoping that a man convert ends up just drawing <coughs> the book. I hope she draws the first arc. I don't think she'll stay on longer than that, just right. because of other commitments. Just, just that, that cover art alone, like... Dude, Fred Flintstone looks like a badass. He looks cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. we don't mean badass in a fighting way. He's just more like what you would expect, like, a little more realistic Fred to look. He probably has that... Oh, okay, you know what? I have an idea now. He has a little bit of that look that, um... Who's the actor who played, uh... The Tick, the live action? Patrick Warburton. Oh, yeah, yeah, He's yeah. got a bit of a Patrick Warburton look. Oh, Patrick Warburton would be a perfect... Uh, Fred Flintstone. I don't think so. I do. You just want your choice. That's all. No, no. I'm just saying. You're wrong, sir. You're wrong. I look at him and I don't see him saying, Velma. Yeah, but da but do. I don't see him saying. I, I, I think he does. Yeah. I think he's dead. And it's Wilma, not Velma. Close enough. Um, anyways, so uh, that, that that's awesome. You get Flintstones, Wacky Raceland, Future Quest, and. Um, Scooby Apocalypse. Uh, there, I'm sure, if these do good, there will be more. Yeah. Because Hannah Rivera has a huge line, like, you know, uh, Harvey Birdman, who's in the Future Quest. The um, Jetsons. Oh, my God. If they know, did, like, a Jetsons Jetsons. Comment. They got, um, who's the other one? Blue Falcon. Smurfs, right? You know. No, Smurfs is, uh, well, they, they did the cartoon, but Smurfs is actually based on a comic book from France. Oh, I think okay. it's no Belgium. From Belgium, oh, so I see, I see, yeah. they'd have to get that guy's approval. Right, right. Um, I mean, like, what are some other Hanna Barbera cartoons like Snorks? Snorks, I think, is theirs, which is just yeah. under uh, in you water. There's one Smurfs. cartoon called the Pawpaw Bears, or whatever. Or you yeah, that? that was not that great. 
That was a fun cartoon. Oh, unless they're going to make them like real big grizzly bears, like, ah, and they eat people. Well, no, I, I think the Jetsons would be great. I mean, first off, if they're doing the Flintstones, because remember, they did the crossover with the Jetsons and Flintstones. So if they did a Jetsons one, not to mention, can you imagine the cool designs? What if they did the Jetsons sort of as like a, a Star Trek feel to it? Oh, that would be badass. Yeah. But uh, anyways, that's it for that news. Um, go check it out on DC's blog. Uh, or Bleeding Cool or Newsarama. Everyone announced it. It had the thing in whole on the website for um, Entertainment Weekly. And it's supposed to be coming out like what? Like uh, May? I think it's May. I, I didn't see any dates on there. But yeah, yeah, I'm sure it, it's before Rebirth. Yeah, it's like before. a month before Rebirth. Yeah, so that's awesome. I mean, hopefully these things are going to be giving some DC some big capital yeah. push so that they can hire people like me next year and then Randall to write comics for them. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh,. Moving on from that, we're going to do reviews. Um, so basically, I'm going to do my review of Strayer, Aftershocks well, Comics. Let's do a quick recap, though, for the uh, review on Old Man Logan. Oh, what I did. We said it in the, I said it in the beginning. Did we? Yeah, I said it in the beginning. I said that uh, I love the... I, I liked the art. You didn't. Um, the coloring was good. And uh, I could have sworn you said that in the one-hour show. No, I said we talked about it. Okay. I, I talk, No, I said in the beginning of this that we talked about that, that's one of the things that we talked about. All right. Um, Strayer issue one, Aftershocks Comics, which to me is the new Image Comics, um, written by Justin Jordan, drawn by Juan Gideon, and colored by Tamara Bonvillain, which I love her last name. It's like Bonvillain. It's yeah. about the D after the N. Um, like Bonvillain. Tamara Bonvillain. You just give her a nickname, call her Bonvillain. <laughs> right. Uh, anyway, Strayer, it was a good book. Ugh, I love the, the panel work. Um, Juan Gideon has this minimalist, but yet very like there's so much there art style, but it's very so minimal, kind of like animated series type work. Um, it's such a good book. Basically, it takes place in a world after the collapse of our world, so everything's sort of coming back to uh, ye olden times. Except there's not. I don't want to say it's magic. I think it's more like you know technology control that makes it look like magic. It's that old Arthur C. Clarke idea of technology so advanced you would think it's magic. And basically this woman in the beginning is looking for somebody that she needs to help her because she can bring the world back to where it used to be before. But she needs someone's help on this quest. And she's talking to this one guy who's drunk and basically he wants to be paid for his uh, his work or payment in some other form, if you know what I mean. And basically <laughs> Strayer, who arrives, basically tells everybody, hey, I'm here, you know, and, you know, he's like, I can do the stuff that nobody else can. I can destroy the monsters that nobody else can destroy, yeah. uh, of course, for a price. And nobody knows who he is, so he's like, I'm, I'm Strayer. <laughs> yeah. And everyone's like, crickets. Next thing you know, he wakes up in prison, and it seems from, like, you know, getting drunk the day before. And basically what happens is you find out the guy who comes to take him out of prison, the mayor, um, this giant golem thing is attacking the town, and it's metal. You see it's, like, metal covered. Like, it came... When the woman was using, uh, the woman in the beginning, when she was using her powers at one point, you can see the creature waking. So I think these creatures are, uh, you know, they chase her. They react to her abilities. And uh, it's, it comes into town and basically um, causes havoc. But then the mayor, the only person he can turn to is Strayer. So he's like, can you do what you say you can do? And he's like, yes, I just need my blades. And he's like, well, there was no blades you know, with you, there was just these uh, gauntlets, which are these sort of like brass knuckle type things. Yeah. But when he puts them on, blades come out. Nice. And he, you know, he's like, hello, girls. And uh, he goes to attack the creature, and he's just awesome. He's like this big brute. Strayer, what I love about Strayer, 
Another stuff that Justin Jordan does is he creates main characters that aren't your typical looking main characters. If you read Luther Strode, it starts off with a guy who's very geeky and nerdish, and then he becomes this big muscular dude. And Australia is this guy who looks like uh, what's his name character, the dude from um, uh, uh, what's, the, what's the movie? Um, Jeff Bridges' character, he played the dude, the freaking. Uh, I can't remember. Oh God, you failed me. I watched. Well, I still haven't seen the movie. Oh my god. Anyways, I'm sure Eugene will hit me up tomorrow and be like, it's this movie. Yeah. I forget. But Jeff Bridges, if you see that, that voice that he does with the dude, um, this is what he, and the way he looked like in that movie, this is what his character looks like, just a little more muscular. Yeah. Um, and I love it. And this dude, you know, he goes and he defeats this monster, and the girl tries to uh, interrupt him. And basically, um, I don't want to reveal what happens at the end, but it's, it's a really good book. Um, it's a lot of fun. Um, uh, it's a beautiful, it's beautifully done first issue, easily read first issue, nothing overly complicated, and it really sets up the, the world. Big Lebowski, it, yeah, Big Lebowski. There we go, and it really sets up the world to where you want to continue reading more. Um, Justin Jordan's a fantastic writer. He's written for DC. He's written for Valiant. Um, he wrote uh, Green Lantern: New Guardians for two years. He wrote for Valiant, um, Shadow Man. Um, the guy's a really good writer. If you're not reading his books, you're doing yourself a disservice. Um, he gives you just fantastic stuff, not anything like anything you've seen before, and I honestly mean that. So uh, check it out, Aftershock Comics, three ninety nine issue, but very well worth your three ninety nine. And I don't say that about much comics nowadays. Um, so give it a whirl, Randall. What about you? What'd you read? Well, let's see here. I read Jack number three. Oh yes, I remember that. You loved that. Yeah. Um... Still same writer, still same artist. Uh, Eric Kripke, who writes it, uh, John Higgins. Actually, John Higgins, uh, there was a special little uh, shout-out, like a special like little uh, you know, um, credit uh, for Sally Jane Hurst, who I believe helped with some of the art credits. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, the book's still going great. It really is. Um, due to past events, the main character decides to quit the drug. And this drug gives him these powers, these abilities. You know, it's all, you know, jacked up, basically. And um, so he's trying to quit it, and he's just struggling with it. You know, like, withdrawals is very, very difficult for him to deal with it. So you, you see him at first saying, yeah, I quit it. And then a couple, you know, a couple pages past that, it's like, yeah, I'm lying. I, I can't quit it. <laughs> withdrawals are too bad. But, like, he shows off his abilities to his, uh, his brother, who's a dentist, and uh, it's funny little like little jo- I wouldn't say joke but the way it was written it was pretty funny uh, but uh, he's telling him like all these symptoms and stuff like that he's telling him he's like all the reaction from it and so he's asking his brother these questions and he's like I don't fucking know he's like I'm not a doctor I'm a dentist <laughs> and, it, and it's always the uh, you know the guys who's a dentist like I'm a doctor He's, and people are always saying that no, you're, you're not a doctor, you're a dentist, mm-hmm. and it's the reverse this time around where the guy comes out and say, "I'm not a doctor, I'm a dentist." So, and oh, then of course yeah. the, the brother's like, "Well, at least you finally admitted it." You know, uh, that was kind of clever. That was kind of funny. I enjoyed that. Um, but uh, so apparently, in the past issue, um, the main character basically uh, beat up a neighbor uh, who was kind of beating on his girl. And, uh, not kind of, was beating on his girl. And, uh, so he ends up, uh, just pummeling the shit out of him. He beats him up, uh, but ends up, like, in a coma. Um, so, uh, people are trying to figure out, like, you know, who did this? Who did this? You know, the brother or dealer or whatever that works with him. 
he's trying to figure out who did it and so he's got tails following the the girlfriend the one that was getting beat up and uh, at one point in the book you see that girl meeting up with the guy who helped her and so she's explaining to him like look man I know who's you know trying to find out you know who did this to so and so um I know how this war operates I know how this works he's gonna kill us if he finds out that we're the ones behind it he's gonna kill us and so she's like right now we're 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 good because he doesn't know it's us you know so she's like telling him like you you know what you should do is you should go find this guy and kill him before he kills us and he's like kill he's like oh, I'm a giant pussy he's like you know I barely ever got in the fights and I don't do this I don't do that and and so his reaction is like he just doesn't know what to do and he's kind of freaking out about it um eventually they you know he goes to see her and he's like hey i think i found out a, a way to uh put so so like you know take care of him without having to kill him and as he walks in he doesn't realize there's two guys there that had been tailing them basically holding her there waiting for him to show up and so she just looks at him and she's like way to go smart guy like you just you just gave them what they wanted what they needed to hear and so uh, immediately he's just you know they get thrown in the car they're being taken to the guy um, prior to that he had popped a pill so he was just waiting for it to kick in so they, they managed to jump out of the car and escape uh, and then they're chasing after them and at one point he, he just throws a dumpster at the guys and kills these two guys it's just, it, yeah and she's just like looking at him like how the hell did you do that you know and then a couple other guys show up and uh, the pill wears off so now the guy's getting his ass kicked and but the girl manages to find one of the guns that from the two guys got destroyed from that dumpster, and she she just you know she just ends up killing the both of the guys and he's freaking out he's just like you just killed those guys and she's like yeah well they would have killed us so it's us or them <laughs> you know? so I mean it's a it's a fun book I mean it's like the way it's going and then of course the way it ends the guy that was in the coma gets out of the coma screaming the guy's name so now. The, the the big bad guy, the big main bad guy, is now going to find out, like, the guy's name. And so now the main character has to to worry about his family. He's got to worry about his wife. He's got to worry about his kids. You know, this is like... It, it's the definitely the it's, inc- the... it's getting more intense. Nice, you know? nice. And, oh, but yeah, it's a great book, man. Uh, Kripke is just one hell of a writer. Fantastic. That sounds good, man. But uh, is that it, or is there anything else? I got one more book. I don't know if you have any more. No, I don't have any more. Um, save the best for last. Superman, Lois, Lois and Clark, number four. Uh, Dan Jurgens, Lee Weeks. Uh, Lee Weeks actually had a little additional help. Got uh, Marco Santucci uh, helping with some of the art duties. And uh, art's still pretty solid. The story's pretty solid. I enjoyed it. Um, you know they it's weird because it was like I think around the second issue where they kind of jump forward and you see Superman battling blank and so it's towards the end of that issue and then the issue after that um, is exploring what, what led up to that oh, okay. and so like this specific issue is still leading into that so you see blank uh, with Hank Henshaw uh, confronting Superman and uh, and this is the pre-52 Superman and so, like, but you see how he gets the black costume, like, Lois ended up, like, uh, calling in some contacts. Uh, you see them celebrating, you know, and then, of course, prior to that, you see them celebrating their anniversary. They go to Metropolis. Um, they almost got spotted by Jimmy Olsen. Yeah, you mm-hmm. see Superman immediately telling Lois, like, hoodie, now. 
Like, put, <laughs> like put the hood on now, you know. And uh, but no, it's just it, you know, it's just great, you know. And I love like the little reference that they make. Um, Dan Jurgens mentions uh, like you see Jimmy Olsen talking to this girl, and they're like, you know, hey, let's go check out this new bar or whatever, this new uh, dive, and. Um, it was like a, they, I remember this character called uh, Bibbo Babowski. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like the Ace of Spades or something like that, or the uh, the Ace. Bibbo was in uh, pre Fifty Two Superman. Oh, long time ago. Yeah, he was long in the old Death. He was yeah, the one to save the, the puppies from drowning. Yeah, he was a supporting character who basically just this guy who owned a bar, like just one of those like you know like obviously Clark and people from the Daily Planet they you know would have a place to go hang yeah. out. And it would be Bibbo's bar, you know. The uh, I think it is called the Ace of Spades. I think I could be wrong. I forget. It's been so long, but it's so cool how they reference. They mention Bibbo. You don't see him in the comic, but you know. I think Dan Jurgens has a soft spot for that character. You know, nice. so he's just like, you know, throwing it in there. You know, uh, I miss a lot of the supporting characters. Like you had uh, Emil Hamilton. You had Bibbo Babowski. You know, like it just brings back all these memories of like some of the older Superman comics. I used to, I was such a big Superman fan that I, I, you know, when Superman got his new powers, when he got the electrical powers, like, I tried to get every Superman comic book, like, you know, he had multiple titles, and I would always try to read every issue and read up on how everything was going, everything changing, and then, of course, I'd like to pick up some of the older issues and try to kind of meet up to where I actually started. Yeah, yeah. You know, but yeah, overall, Superman, Lois, and Clark is still solid, still good. It it really does sad me that it's not an ongoing that yeah, it's going to end at eight, eight issues. I, I, I would have had a few more issues to read, but there wasn't too much that came out that uh, that really sparked my interest. Uh, there was another Marvel book I wanted to read, and I probably end up reading it uh, later. Nice, but, nice, yeah. nice. But anyways, uh, that's it, guys. That's uh, that's our talk. That's our reviews. We uh, again, always as always, hope you enjoyed it. And uh, please, if you haven't, listen to the other micro episodes if you want, and the hour one. It makes us happy. And we know it'll make you happy. Thank you for your support. So you all have a good day, and uh, see you next time.